It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. Thursdays with Mary Langston and uh, episodic appearances um, by Trey. And please try to hide your disappointment. Do your best to conceal your disappointment. Actually, I'm disappointed. In fact, I'm so disappointed I may not even go through with it. No, that's 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 my boss telling me that I am to go through with it no matter what. Well, Mary Langston uh, will not be joining us this week in her absence. Uh, to the extent that anything can fill that absence. But in her absence, we will revisit a few of your thought-provoking questions, and there are too many to choose from. But nonetheless, in the interest of time, we've chosen a few. Uh, You've asked about the inner workings of our judicial and legislative systems. You have asked about uh, what is left of my golf game. And there are moments when you just simply wanted an answer to my favorite question of all, which is why, uh, regardless of the topic, why? So let's get started. Hope you have a great week and we'll be back with more questions next week. We'll start with a legal question from Chris in Missouri. He writes, in ongoing trials, the jury is always admonished not to read, watch, or talk about anything to do with the case outside of the courtroom. Does this apply to the judge as well? Has this ever been an issue? Chris, that is a great question, and it requires not my normal amount of backing up, um, but a little bit, because the answer to your question technically is it depends. That's That's the real answer to your question is it depends. The practical answer to your question is judges are different. And and so I'll tell you what I mean by that. Juries are finders of fact. Okay. That's what juries do. Hmm. They find the fact. Was the light red or green? Was um, the person on trial, is that really the same person in the surveillance video that robbed the 7-Eleven? They decide facts. Was it raining? Who was speeding? And so you want that decision to only come from the evidence that is in front of you. Now, that doesn't mean that's all the evidence that there is. I mean, let's assume it's a speeding case. Let's assume that someone is on trial. Let's pick somebody that I like to put on trial. John Ratcliffe. John Ratcliffe is on trial for speeding. All right. So he's presumed innocent. You're on the jury. It is highly relevant. That he has 20 prior convictions for speeding, don't you think? I mean, don't you think that's highly relevant? (laughs) The guy is a serial speeder. (laughs) But a jury will never hear that because the law considers that to be irrelevant. It really is relevant. It's very relevant. It's also just very prejudicial. So a jury won't get to hear that. So I'm reluctant to say the jury makes its decision based on all the facts. A jury makes its decision based on all relevant admissible facts. 
And what you don't want is them making their mind up based on something I mean, like a criminal record of a defendant. I mean, the law is pretty clear on that. I mean, if a defendant doesn't testify, absent some really, really unusual fact pattern, the fact that a defendant has a criminal history never gets before the jury. So the judge is telling the jury, don't read the newspaper, because you know that's going to be in the newspaper article. You know it. Or let's assume the defendant was charged but found not guilty of two other homicides. Human nature is such that someone on the jury, if he reads that or watches that or gets that on social media, is going to think, wow, darn the luck. This is the third time you've been charged with murder? Where there's smoke, there's fire. That's exactly what you don't want juries to do. The judge hears all of that stuff. The judge already knows a ton of stuff that the jury does not know. What I think Chris may be getting at is what if there is no jury? What if it's a bench trial? Mm. And I'm not going to go on the facts, Mary Langston, because you have such a sensitive, sweet spirit about you. I do not want to go into the facts other than to say, are you old enough to remember a really, really bad fact pattern involving a young woman who attended Clemson University? Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. You are old enough to remember that? Mm-hmm. All right. That was a bench trial. That was a trial in front of my friend, Ned Miller. He was the judge, but he was also the jury. There was no jury of 12. It was a bench trial. Those are rare. They're unusual, but they do happen. So the judge is the finder of fact, but he also has to make decisions based on the law. So if there's a question about whether or not something related to this defendant's name was Jerry Buck Inman, something related to his criminal history, how in the world can Judge Ned Miller rule on the admissibility of that evidence but finder of fact, Ned Miller, put it out of his head. You can't. So judges, even when they are the finder of fact, have to make decisions that ordinary members of the jury do not. Now, you also count on judges, and this is where I really, really like, you know, man, well, I don't want to. I don't want to sit here and start talking about judges I like, because then people are going to, well, I don't have anything pending in front of either one of these guys. So there's not a thing in the world they can do to help me or hurt me. But John Few, I've heard talk about this, who's on the South Carolina Supreme Court, and Marvin Quattlebaum, who's on the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals. The humility to disagree with yourself. The, the discipline to say, gosh, I, I think this probably happened, but you didn't prove it. How many people have the mental discipline to be able to, I mean, so many people go with their gut instinct. You know, my, my, my gut instinct tells me you did it. Or I, I have a feeling. I have a, I have a, I, I, I just, I, I just think you did it. That's what most people do. Can you say, I think you did it, but it was not proven to me. 
that requires a certain discipline. Mm. And we expect judges to have that kind of discipline. So judges do play by a different set of rules for two reasons, because they have to, and because we expect judges to be able to separate out what is admissible, not admissible, relevant, not relevant, and that the prejudicial effect of some really, really inflammatory piece of evidence. One more example, we'll move on. I mean, you don't want juries seeing awful, awful, awful crime scene photos. I mean, they can see some of them, but there are some that judges are just not going to allow the jury to see. <laughs> but guess what word I just used? Judges are not going to allow the jury to see. The judge has to look at it and decide. So judges play by a different set of rules, but I would be willing to bet you most judges don't watch stuff on the news and they don't read the paper because they're not deciding who did it. Usually they're deciding what the rules are and making both sides play by the rules. So most judges I know, I've, I've never actually never heard a judge say, you know, I read something in a newspaper article. I mean, lastly, before we leave this point, you sit there and think, I mean, why would you rely on no offense to people in the in the media? But what when I was a prosecutor, I used to sit there and think, why would I rely on what somebody in the newspaper said? I've got the whole daggum case file in front of me. Mm. I, I've interviewed every witness. <laughs> I mean, why would I like rely on what a reporter said? That's not like really good evidence. The really good evidence is coming from the eyewitnesses that I've already talked to. Oh, that's a long answer, but that's the best answer I can give you for that one. Well, thank you for answering it. Thank you, Chris, for that question. Did that make Our, sense? It did. I feel like I was in law school class, and I'm also fascinated by the jury process and also judges' roles in that. So that was interesting to break down. We'll answer more of your questions when we come back. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Our next question is from Christopher and it's a little bit different. He writes, is there any way our country could require public service as part of the high school curriculum and perhaps require it for diplomas? Uh, I love your point, Christopher. I'm not sure Congress um, will be getting involved in setting the graduation requirements for mm. high school students. I mean, that's a that's a state and local matter. Your broader point, however, of service is a great one. And Congress could require some form of public service. It connects us to others. It allows us to see the need that exists in our community or state or country. It causes us to focus on things outside of ourselves. Service is great. I wish more people did it. Congress can require it, I think, but probably not as a condition of graduation. Um, but I'm, as always, open to being um, persuaded that constitutionally I am wrong about that. We'll move on to our last question, and it's from William in Florida, and it's sports related. He writes, you like golf and college football, but what sport do you like the most to watch? Oh, uh, William, I like almost almost every sport. Um, <laughs> the, as a general rule, college sports over pro sports. If you give me a choice between watching college football or pro football, 
college baseball or major league baseball, college basketball, men's or women's over NBA or WNBA, I'm always going to pick college. I would say college football is my favorite sport to watch, followed by college baseball, with the one exception maybe being major championship golf plus the Ryder Cup. So college over pro, college football. I mean, I am so excited about college football, but it's only 12 you know, well, it's a little more than 12 Saturdays out of the year. I mean, you got bowl games and stuff like that, but it goes fast. So if that's all that makes you happy, and if you were to ask Terry, she would say that's all that makes him happy, <laughs> then you're really only happy from September until kind of early January, and that leaves a lot of the rest of the year. Mm-mm-mm. Well, we'll look forward to the good things that are coming, Trey, and thank you so much for answering those questions today. You're very welcome, Mary Langston, and thank you for um, always being so adroit at picking um, wonderful questions that are thought-provoking, and um, and you also had the very difficult challenge of trying to find questions that I could possibly know the answer to. <laughs> no, you always have wonderful answers and leave us thinking, and we appreciate y'all for sending us questions because we always have so many great ones to choose from, so we appreciate that. All right, y'all take care. Bye-bye. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com.